Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast about the portrayal of women in film. Oh, I thought we were going to say movies. I said film today. Wow. Uh, yeah. Thank you. It is. You're, You're you are right. We are the esteemed podcast that we are. Do and... you know, a fun fact about us, we were not in the top 200 podcasts of the year. Oh, bummer. I know. Well, tell your friends about us and uh, get get us into the top 200 people. people Jeez, women. People it's true. And that's why we have to do women. this podcast. Um, we base it loosely on the Bechtel test, or we use that as our jumping off point to initiate uh, a bigger conversation mm. about representation and portrayals of women in film. 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 We're, we're not a film podcast. We're <laughs> yeah. assholes now. Sorry. <laughs> we're pretentious as fuck. Sorry. And uh, if you don't know what the Bechtel test is, it is a media, media test created by Alison Bechtel, and it mm. requires that a f- film have... A flim. A flim. Have... Two female-identifying characters who are named, they must speak to each other, and their conversation cannot be about a man. And by our standards, it has to be at least a two-line exchange. Oh, you think it'd be easy. But, but it's but not. films actually are not films good. are bad. <laughs> Which is why we do this podcast, because we hate <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick thing that will not pass the Bechdel test, but mm-hmm. I feel compelled to tell you because I was so shocked. Also, I have a male dog now, which I know is upsetting, Ugh. but I am training him to be, you know, an ally. Oh, good. Okay. He started humping my leg and I was like, honey, you did not consent. consent. I will consent. You <laughs> may hump my leg. And then he continued. I'm like, he's learning. Oh, good. Uh, so I was walking my dog yesterday uh, because I do that now. Mm-hmm. And I was catcalled from, wait for it, a lime scooter. <gasps> <laughs> 
someone passed me on a live scooter and was like, you're beautiful. I was like, oh my God. It was barely moving faster than I was. And he was just like, you're beautiful. And like passed me and my doge. And I, it was unbelievable. Okay, a couple questions. Misogyny is alive and well. One, if you are cat called when you're with a dog, does that mean you're being dog called? Question number two, how many wow. nipples does a cat call have <laughs> zero oh, yeah 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 zero well uh, i'm sorry that that happened to you i'm also sorry but i'm i almost wonder if it was history making mm-hmm. was that the first time that someone had had the gall i feel on their way back to presumably their grandma's house <laughs> uh so that's the update on me yeah dog cat called on a lime scooter we're caught up. Wow, proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> so the movie we're talking about today. <laughs> the movie today is Fatal Attraction. And let's just get right into it. Let's introduce our guest. Let's do it. She is the author of Rage Becomes Her, The Power of Women's Anger, Soraya Shamali. Thanks so Yay. much for having me today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we're so psyched to talk about this, uh, this, this very bizarre movie with you. Yes. So what is your history, your relationship with this movie, Soraya? <laughs> well, I, I, I really do associate this movie with like peak Susan Faludi backlash. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my first association with it. I mean, I remember when it came out. I remember all the discussion around it. I remember variations on its themes over the years yeah Uh, that's that's how i think of it Mm -hmm. when was the first time you saw it oh i saw it in the theaters when it came out yeah yeah. it seems like along with everyone else (laughs) in the entire world at that time Uh well you know it was so notable i mean there were women gaining power and that's always a frightening specter and so these depictions tend to have a lot of resonance yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, oh God, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, um, um, Jamie, what is your history in relationship with the movie? Um, I have seen this movie a couple of times. I think I saw it for the first time in college as a part of probably the worst film class I ever took. Uh-huh. I think that the gender dynamics in this movie were completely not discussed in the class. It was just like, this is how That's you write amazing. a thriller. This uh-huh. is what a good thriller is. And yep. I remember being the f- the first time I was not the appropriate amount of horrified, I think, because I was just like 18 and didn't know anything about anything yet. Sure. Um, but I- I've seen it a few times since. And with ev- with each passing viewing, there's like new stuff you see or have learned in the intermittent time where I'm just like, Jesus, <laughs> it's just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Same. I saw it for the first time in college, too. This was like when I was like, you know, a young film student hungry to consume all of the m- media that I could. And I knew about this movie i already knew about the boiling bunny scene so like that's Mm -hmm. what i knew going into it i saw it just that one time and then didn't revisit it until we were prepping for this episode but um yeah it's uh it's a wild this is what this is one of my mom's favorite movies oh jill Jill is it really (laughs) yeah she's i mean and she it's weird because she was about my age when this movie came out and she was like, oh, I, it's weird, but her opinion, her opinions on it, she seems to in- both be aware of the issues 
but still really loves the movie where her whole thing was she's like, well, yeah, Michael Douglas is so horrible. I'm not going to like fall for like him being the good guy, but I love the movie (laughs) and I love when Glenn Close yells. I was like, that's valid. Sure. Wild. Okay. So uh, should I, should I do the recap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So we meet Dan Gallagher, played by Michael Douglas. He is a sick lawyer living in New York City. Mm -hmm. He has a family, um, his wife, his wife, Beth, and they have a young daughter, Ellen. With, oh, God, I love the daughter. Um, She's she's, so cute. She's cute. And the baldest woman in charge. She is. (laughs) Yes. She's got she's got a very short haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So he and his wife go to this work function, and that's where he meets Alex Forrest. That's Glenn Close's character. Who, Uh, upon meeting her, seems very normal, a little flirtatious. Sure. That's it. Uh, And she was recently brought on to work as an associate editor at the publishing company that his law firm represents. I think I have all of that right. So Beth, uh, Dan's wife, goes out of town for a few days. (laughs) His wife. And Dan and Alex cross paths again because they're, like, working in the same vicinity, and they're in a meeting together. And then it's raining, so they're like, oh, we can't be outside. Let's get a drink together. (laughs) Such a tenuous scene where they're like, it's wet. I'm like, you live here. He waits to open his umbrella until after he's already standing in the rain. It's. I think this whole movie could have been avoided if he had just, like been better at umbrellas it up. Yeah, yeah there there's god it's like it's raining uh, so i'm horny <laughs> okay end of first act yeah so they get a drink together then things escalate from there they wind up at one of their apartments they frick uh they we only say frick they, the yeah. <laughs> oh, they have sex for those of you who don't know what fricking means frick. um and then they spend a couple of days together in, I wrote down coital bliss, and I regret writing that, Caitlin. but that is what I wrote, so <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> I forgot that we only say frick. Okay. Oh, frick bliss. Frick bliss. <laughs> coital fricking. Um, <laughs> at the end of these couple of days, he's like, look, I got to go, and we can't see each other again because I have a his wife. <laughs> and, um, Who is in the country trying to further domesticize him the movie would have you believe by trying to find a house for him to commute into the city and have a nicer whatever right. something about school districts and space yeah. and grandparents this upsets alex uh that she's told that he doesn't want to see her again and she gets a little aggressive and she's yelling at him and she's kicking him uh and then as he's about to leave it's revealed that she has cut her wrists in a suicide attempt um, so he stays with her for a little longer, and then she calms down, and he's like, okay, everything's good here. See you never. Mm. And then Beth and Ellen come back home, and it seems like everything is back to normal. They're, like, considering buying this house. Um, they're freaking. His, they're freaking. His daughter is doing magic tricks at him. But then Alex Forrest shows up at Dan's office, and she apologizes, and she's like, hey, I was going through a rough time. I was in a crisis. Why don't you go to the opera with me as a peace offering? But he declines. Doesn't yeah. think it's a good idea. There's a whole overture of Madame Butterfly and how, which this becomes important with the ending the movie did not use. Right. Where the female protagonist kills herself at the end. But that, we'll right. get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it seems like Alex understands. He says, you know, that's not a good idea. I'm a married man. We shouldn't see each other again. And she's like, okay, cool. And But then we cut to her at home and she's like crying. She's turning a lamp on and off over and over again. She's not doing that well. That scene is insanely long yeah it is <laughs> sorry that's just a thought loose thought uh and then she starts like calling his office and calling his home and he does agree to meet up with her to be like hey stop bothering me it's over but then she's like i love you and also i'm pregnant pregnant sorry <laughs> i agree that yes and she says she wants to keep the baby so uh then she shows up at his apartment and is hanging out with his wife his wife because she feigns an interest in buying the apartment that they are selling because they're moving into this new house Mm -hmm. and she gets like his he had like unlisted his number she gets his new number and she's like hey i'm gonna have this baby and alex threatens to tell beth he's like you know if you if you're not a part of this like i'm gonna tell you you're his wife um and then it seems like that might have worked. And then they move into their new house. He get he gets his daughter a pet rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Alex pours acid. I think Do, some does something to his car. It's I think it was acid. Yeah, she pours acid on his car. Uh, Classic. And then she sends him an audio message on tape, which is basically a podcast. She's just like, "Hey, you suck," <laughs> and I hate you. <laughs> Uh, she uses some homophobic slurs here. She does. Dan goes to the police and he's like, hey, can something be done about this? But they are not helpful. Uh, Beth comes home. There's a pot boiling on the stove. She takes a lid off of it. And it is their daughter, Ellen's bunny rabbit boiling on the stove. And she's like, what the hell? Dan is like, oops, got to tell you something. I had an affair she's pregnant she and yeah. she's boiling our pets she's pregnant and crazy and, is yeah. the implication and uh dan's his wife <laughs> is a very traditional his wife yes and says i'm mad but... i'm mad get out of here but then in the next scene they're it's a together temporary separation <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah and beth tells alex that she will kill her if she comes near her family again but then <laughs> Alex kidnaps their daughter Ellen. Also, are we to believe that like the teachers at Ellen's school just had no idea what the mom looked like? Because they're like, no, she got picked up already. Right. I thought that we she would maybe for that. when we saw Alex again, she would have had like maybe dyed her oh, hair really? to like make her look like Beth. Yeah. But that didn't happen. So yeah, they just like let any random woman pick up the children from this school. I think she brings Ellen to what, like Coney Island or something? Yeah, they ride a roller coaster. And Beth is driving around looking for Ellen and she gets into a car accident. Um, But Alex drops off the little girl and returns her home safely. Uh, So now Dan goes after Alex. There's a big fight. He strangles her for a little bit. Um, She tries to stab him. And then they calm down. He leaves. And then when Beth is taking a bath, probably like, I don't know, the next day or something like that, Alex shows up in the bathroom and she tries to kill Beth. Dan comes running in, drowns her, we think, but then there's like one last jump scare. And then Beth shoots her. Sorry, it sounds like I'm crying, but I just am choking on something. So anyway. (laughs) Caitlin is just like, it's so sad. I'm so so sad that Glenn Close dies. so sad. I love Glenn Close. She's one of my favorite actresses. If you haven't seen damages Ooh. you should see it yeah 
Um, so anyway, so that's the story. Let's take a break for a second, and then we'll come right back. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Where to begin? I where to begin. Um, Soraya, what are your kind of initial thoughts with this? Well, you know, it's interesting. I um, I think just around when that movie came out, I had just started working, and there was just so much conversation about what it meant to have a working woman depicted as incapable of personal happiness mm. and indeed unhinged and defeated by a happy wife at home, right? Mm -hmm. Like that that was the whole conversation, but it was just pretty stark. I mean, it was really remarkable to see the very successful trajectory of this movie that managed to make this sort of scumbag husband somehow seem sympathetic in light of the unhinged woman. It's also funny to me because I just also remember I just remember that the crazier she got, the curlier her hair got. <laughs> That's what happens. I mm-hmm. remember thinking, thanks so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> like just a bonus on top, right? Demonizing but, curly-haired um, people. Yeah, well, you know, they got to be crazy, right. I think, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's a morality tale, and it's a pretty blunt force instrument. It kind of takes a sledgehammer to the idea that, Here's a working woman who's very competent, who's, you know, has a, a sex life that's not related to reproduction. Indeed, hell, she kills small mammals. It doesn't really get more blunt than that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, I've always I've always taken its success as uh, kind of a symbolic step, like a, a clinging of the culture. For sure. I feel like this is a movie where like 
a lot of men have seen and have used as an excuse to be like, yeah, women are crazy. Haven't you seen Fatal Attraction? A story written and directed <laughs> well, by yeah, a man. And that's right. And it's like the my crazy ex-girlfriend, the television show. There's this idea that crazy women stalk men and yeah. then maybe kill them. But they certainly set out to destroy their lives. And well, first of all, there are so many more women who are subjected to stalking, thing one, right? Right. Um, and thing two is it's very rarely the case that women actually have more economic power, more status, more credibility as leverage over a man that they choose to target for violence, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was one of the main things that stuck out to me about this movie where uh, we've done so many movies on this podcast that feature the reverse stalking of a, a male character pursuing a female character. And it is very, very rarely, I don't think in any movie we've ever done anyways, that stalking tendencies are framed as scary or unhealthy when it's done. Right. From a man to a woman, most of the movies that the stalking trope from a man towards a woman are rom-coms yeah, that are like classic, yeah, it's like kind of romantic. Funny, right? It's yeah. like, wow, look how much he loves it's her. He's following her. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's wearing right. her down until she's like, yep, we're in love. And that's true well, love. Where have you, these, yeah, have you seen Unforgettable? No. No. That just recently came out. I think um, who is in that Unforgettable it's a, it's a similar situation where there's a actually a new wife and the ex-wife is Catherine Hagel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she turns out to be really batshit crazy. And Rosario Dawson plays the new wife. I don't even know if it went to theaters. I saw it in an airplane, oh. to be <laughs> honest. But but I did explicitly watch it because because I was thinking of Fatal Attraction. I was like, okay, well, you know, this many years later, what does this look like? Yeah. Um, and again, actually, there is this sort of cold professional woman in relief to the sort of softer, mellower literary arts magazine person, and one is crazy and and one is not. Yeah. There's. I mean the. Like the fatal attraction model, I feel like it's been recycled so many times. And mm-hmm. like based on the the permutations of it I've seen, rarely strays from the format no matter what year it's coming out in where uh, our producer Sophie was bringing up beforehand a movie I remember seeing in high school uh, was Obsessed, which is basically fatal attraction, but Beyonce plays the good wife. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the same story, but like just a a worse made movie it's the same story sure and another movie that we've covered single white female which came out a few years after fatal attraction but it's you know about this woman who targets another woman and basically you know copies her life and goes after her boyfriend and just like similar unhinged scary stalkerish behavior and i don't know if filmmakers of this time were like yeah, we got to, like, push the bar and, like, what if we saw a story about a woman stalker? And, like, I don't yeah. know what they were thinking, but not I to say that this... I mean, there's a lot of that Madonna whore dichotomy, you know, the kind of good woman, bad woman, cat fight, mm-hmm. and women having to stay in their sphere, which is considered exhibiting power within the context of uh, relationships to men. Right. You know, as I think, really, the more power women have in the culture institutionally, the more these narratives kept putting them back into these domestic arenas where they totally. could duke it out. 
It's it's interesting because I feel like this this movie in particular is kind of firing on all cylinders in terms of putting women back in their place and making a female character who on paper seems to be pretty progressive and empowered and turning her into this monster because there is right. a professional element to this where Glenn Close is very successful in her chosen field and that is demonized against her. She's right. unmarried, that is demonized against her and uh, she's older and and that is held against her too which I thought was especially strange in this movie where uh, I, I was just trying to catch up on the context of when this movie came out and there was that Newsweek story that I heard referenced before but there was a story that came out in 86 that was like women over 40 are more likely to get killed by terrorists than married um, oh yeah, I remember that. Like yeah, like which is a soundbite I'd heard before, but I was like, oh, that was reported as news. Cool. Right. Uh, and and so to see an older woman, and also uh, women who have casual sex lives, like we're that's right told yes. to believe with the Glenn Close character. Like even though it seems like she wants casual sex, every woman is actually like going for your seed, mm-hmm. no matter what. A like kind of a chump in Michael Douglas's case it's like nope you can't be a woman no. over a certain age and not be like dying to reproduce with whoever right she says something like I'm 36 this might be my last chance to have a baby right. and right it just perpetuates this idea that like you know women be baby crazy mm-hmm. women be trying to trap a man with pregnancy I forget which episode we talked about this on before but there's like this male fear that like women are just like out to get pregnant by you so that she can trap you in her little talons and like keep you destroy your life. Yeah. Like it's yeah. right. So have you seen the Star is Born remake? Oh, have yes. we? <laughs> we certainly have. We all saw it together in the theater. <laughs> so what what kind of cracked me up about that, also having seen the first one, like I don't know how old I was, like mm-hmm. seven, but This one in particular struck me as quite a remarkable presaging of Me Too and everything that's come since, because in fact, at the end, all I kept thinking was, okay, so in order for a woman to self-actualize, to be professionally successful, a man literally has to die. (laughs) (laughs) We did an episode about this movie and I don't, we didn't put it in those words, but I mean, yeah. But yeah, he had to, yeah, for her to have a fun show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and there's a a British show called, I think, The Bodyguard. Have you seen this? Mm -mm. No. A bodyguard, he's in charge of guarding the British prime minister who's a woman. Mm -hmm. And it also, I don't want to ruin it for you since you haven't seen it, but it has a very similar leitmotif that there are women and that they have power and that the man is repeatedly constrained, punished, and destroyed by that fact. Hmm. Well, it seems like reparations. <laughs> I know. Fair. There's a number of reasons why I would hope that this movie couldn't be made today in the same way, at least. Like, there's certainly plenty of masked misogyny in movies coming out now, but it's like, I feel like people at least have to take at least one or two precautions. But uh, the way that we are conditioned by this movie to be like oh no the conflict is like woman versus 
woman where the wife you know picks up on alex totally takes it at face value oh well my husband said she's nuts Mm -hmm. so i'm just going to take that at face value whatever that even means and threaten to kill her on the phone yes (laughs) which is right and then the fact that ann archer's character kills glenn close at the end is very like Okay, so domesticity win and you know fidelity and standing by your man regardless of what a chump loser he is will always right. win the day right. and take down any woman in your path that will prevent you from that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also, I think, a really good example of um, punching down, being allowed to punch down. Mm-hmm. In the book that I, I've written about anger, there's a lot about this idea that you know people who don't have power or status compared to other people can't express their anger at their oppressors or at the people exerting power over them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the anger gets diverted. And so in day-to-day life, it means maybe somebody goes to work and they get really angry and frustrated, and then they go home and they yell at their children, right? Or they get angry at someone in the line at, at the market or something. But I think it's a pretty good example over and over again when we see these stories where women's acceptable anger is aimed at other women because there are times when we can be acceptably angry. We can be angry at other women. We can be angry at our mothers and we can be angry at men with lower status, like men who are black or brown. Right. Mm -hmm. But we can't be angry. The anger can't be aimed up and it can't be aimed horizontally at men. We consider our equals. And that's a test I use when I look at these movies that exhibit women's anger. I'm like, okay, well, how is the anger allowed to be used? That's right. fascinating. Because Beth is angry much more so at Alex than she is at her husband. There's a brief outburst yeah, where mean, she's like, get out of here. But then in the next scene, he's back at home. You know, they're like figuring this out together. And the issue is that like Glenn Close was a temptress who per you know beth and uh dan's version of the story they're like well she tempted him to the point where he couldn't resist and so she well, can't trying control to do- himself right yeah and we just accept like well men can't control themselves so sure they should make more money than her. <laughs> yeah. can we talk about the endings debacle with this movie hello anderson <laughs> there's a dog uh, uh yes yeah, because the way the movie ends, Caitlin was re-re-watching the end of the movie when I came in today, and there's so much about it that is confusing, and it's because it wasn't supposed to be the actual ending right. of yeah. the movie. So, And I remember reading about this a while ago, but like revisiting the journey of this movie ending the way it does, which is by Glenn Close, like, surprise, she isn't drowned, and she gets killed by the wife, and so uh, women shouldn't have jobs, and they should marry guys named Dan. Sure. (laughs) Great. But uh, the way it was originally supposed to end, which is so well set up in the movie, like, regardless of if you like the movie or not, the movie's supposed to end like Madam Butterfly, which they recap in full in the mm-hmm. movie, which is that right. once the man leaves the woman, she kills herself in, you know, despair. Right. And that's how the movie ended and that's filmed. It exists. You can she I'm also pretty sure watch it. Basically frames him because she makes sure his fingerprints are on the knife that he mm-hmm. picks up to almost 
you know, or to whatever happens in that scene. Um, so his fingerprints are on the knife, and then he gets arrested for her murder. That's, yeah, that's right. how that was supposed to end. It didn't test well with audiences, so they rewrote it, they reshot it into the ending that we have now. And something I thought was interesting was that, like, Michael Douglas was pro the ending that is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the director, Adrian Line, or Lynn, which is it? Not sure. He directed a terrible version of Lolita. Uh, anyways. Oh, the one with Jeremy Irons? The one with Jeremy Irons. Oh. It's a, <laughs> sick. It is, I mean, it is a story not that shouldn't be filmed in the first place. Correct. But uh, the way he does it is disgusting <laughs> but anyways uh the the director and glenn close were so resistant to change it but they were studio notes into oblivion and that's why we have the very confusing ending that exists now right yeah so like alex shows up in the bathroom she like got in undetected into their house is in the bathroom with beth has a knife and makes stabbing motions at beth but somehow doesn't like she's striking her with the knife in her hand but she doesn't get stabbed somehow i guess she's punching her with the fist that she's holding the knife in not clear and then dan has to come in and save her yeah um and then beth ultimately shoots alex to death so it's like right the domestic figure triumphing over this woman that the movie has made you believe is evil yeah and like i have to admit I was like falling for it, even as I was watching it this time. Like whenever he's trying to kill her, I was like, yeah, she kidnapped a child. She like boiled a rabbit. Yeah, like she's a bad person. I want her to be defeated. But then I was like, wait a minute. This is the movie manipulating me into thinking this. And I shouldn't be feeling this way because the way the movie handles or doesn't handle like mental health and framing her as this unhinged woman without yeah i mean this this movie has no regard for a lot of things Mm -hmm. but like meant that the use of like the crazy woman trope is so i mean it's not just hack and tired it's so oblivious to any any mental health issue right um in fact according to the amazon prime trivia that mm -hmm. pops up when you're watching it there um boo to amazon but anyway in a 2013 interview with cbs news glenn close admitted that she would have rethought her portrayal of alex forrest because of her fear that the film's popularity may have been a contributing factor toward mental health stigma Close said that I would have read the script totally differently. Um, The astounding thing was that in my research for Fatal Attraction, I talked to two psychiatrists. Never did a mention of mental disorder come up. Never did the possibility of that come up. That, of course, would have been the first thing I think of now. So she has, you know, in recent years, you know, what seems like expressing regrets on how this movie frames. So good. Good for Glenn. 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 Because, right, the way, I mean, she attempts suicide and then she acts increasingly unstable and unhinged and violent and stalkerish and and also like very clearly paints the suicide attempt as like oh it was strategic and she just wanted to reel you in and keep your attention and yeah. like this is why someone would do that and it mm-hmm. yeah it's all miserable. you know i think it, i think it's interesting too that 
This movie came out maybe uh, six or seven years before Bill Clinton became president mm -hmm. and was a real cultural moment, right? It was just huge. It was a global success. And then, you know, maybe, I don't know, not very long after that, you had Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and you had mm -hmm. issues with Hillary Clinton and, you know, whether she would stand by her man or not. And all of that feels like one long cultural nightmare moment. Right. <laughs> yes. Like just the narrative of the film, the message it sent, the idea that somehow women are in control of men's sexuality and that they can be absolved of responsibility for the havoc they've wreaked. Mm -hmm. um, and that indeed Bill Clinton abusing the power that he abused in the White House, it can can step back while the two women duke it out publicly. Right. Right. And those feel very similar to me in terms of how the public deals with those issues or wants to deal with those issues or not. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, it, just the concept of a homewrecker seems right. to be very prevalent in this and then the years that come after the 80s like movie I struggle with movie a lot of movies from the 80s kind of for this reason where there I mean there's misogyny in cinema in every year since film has existed mm -hmm. but like the 80s stands up out to me particularly because there were so many things in the 70s that were positive and moving women in what would appear to be, you know, like more movies about women in the workplace. You've got Norma Rae. You've got like really cool, interesting movies like that. Five. But then the 80s seems to kind of revel in setting it back mm -hmm. and being like, oh, wait, we accidentally made women too powerful. Now we've got to make them scary again <laughs> and make oh, like a, a competent woman, you know, somehow nullify that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's interesting what we're seeing now, though, with witches, mm -hmm. because there's resurgence of, resurgence of witch narratives, right? Because we're talking about power and we're talking about anger. And the thing about witch narratives always is that they always implied that there is crazy irrationality involved and that the power women have is unnatural, it's never yeah. natural, right? It's extra natural. It's extraordinary and it's not rational. The anger's never rational. The power's never rational. And that's that's the only thing that kind of really concerns me about all of these witchcraft narratives right now. That's so interesting. Yeah. Right. I because witchcraft narratives do tend to crop up in bulk. Yes, they do. Uh, for a while and I was I was thinking I mean this is sort of off topic a little bit the like wh why is both like witchcraft and like tarot and astrology seems to have come back in a major way in right. the past several years and I I think I sort of just was like oh well this is probably like a societal response to dystopia uh, where everyone wants to believe in magic again because uh, we live in a very fashy world uh, <laughs> But that makes a ton of sense of, of, you know, even though women are allowed to be powerful in these narratives, it is couched in like, but not every woman is like this. And like you have and, and it's it can be dangerous. Right. And, yeah, it's dangerous. And men are always at risk because the women have the power. Yeah. And it's not normal. Right. That's the point about the women's power in witchcraft. It's not normal. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for making me think that. Uh, that's amazing. 
we got to take a quick break, but we will be right back in a moment. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Can we talk about the, like, pregnancy and abortion aspect of this, where she tells him that she is pregnant. Gregnant. Gregnant. He says that he will help her take care of it. Basically, he'll pay for the abortion. And she's like, no, I want to keep it. He says, well, don't I have any say in this? And part of me is like, her body, her choice. But Mm -hmm. she says she's going to have the baby whether he wants to have anything to do with it or not. And we're like, okay. But then a moment later, she's like... Well, I was hoping that you'd want to have something to do with it. And that's the whole, like, trapping him narrative of, like, right. I'm keeping the baby so that hopefully you'll want to go out with you'll me. You'll have to be my boyfriend. Right. And no. so, and then, the do- I guess he calls the doctor, her doctor, and the doctor confirms that she is pregnant. And I was like, wait, what about, like, doctor-patient confidentiality? <laughs> yeah. But then I looked up when HIPAA was a I looked it up and HIPAA yeah. didn't go into effect until 96. So oh, that's wow. that. Yeah. So you could just be could some just... random guy and be like, hey. Is this lady just pregnant? Keep... That's in. That's so. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. there yeah. you go. Because this movie came out in what, 87? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and uh, now we live in a time where Amazon will tell you if you're pregnant before you know. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> Jeff Bezos knows about every drop right. of semen on the planet. Um, and then a little bit later, the Dan character says, like, look, whether or not you want to keep it, it's your choice. So I'm like, okay, pro-choice, Dan Gallagher, good for him. Good for um, him. But, again, it just it, – it does so much to reinforce this idea that so many men have, which is that, yep, women are crazy. 
you sleep with them and it's fun for a second, but then they're going to go ape shit on you and they're going to trap you and they're going to, you know, stalk you and this and this and that. The thing that's most telling to me, and I guess why why I brought up the uh, the two endings in the first place is that, you know, at least two of them, and there is also, oh God, I can't remember what her name is. Let me pull it up. But uh, the director, Glenn Close, and a producer named Sherry Lansing, who was like a very powerful producer oh, at yeah. this time, mm. uh, were all against changing the ending. But the audience response, and remember, this is like Reagan era, so scary right oh yeah but like the audience response was so against it that they literally had no choice the movie couldn't get released unless the far different ending that watching it now you're like wait what is happening here unless the thing that you know reinforced these very traditional oppressive values was included and that was like the audience's decision yeah and so right. it's like you can't even blame it on uh, an executive which is always fun to do <laughs> right it was just well, the cultural landscape yeah. at the time yeah and, and i think sherry lansing i think one of her responses was what do you mean it depicts professional women badly i'm a professional woman yes which of course is irrelevant like <laughs> really has nothing to do with how the movie depicts this woman. Um, But that was her response in defense of producing the film, I think. Right. Which is like, I mean, that I'm like, what do we make of, of that response? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's like when a woman's response to oppressing other women is like, but it's chill because like (laughs) women, right? I'm a woman and uh, I'm cool with it. So it's cool. Like, no. Right. But um, I also interesting argument. just real quickly wanted to touch on, as per almost every movie in existence, this is an extremely white movie, but a few different times, a few of the white characters are like mocking specifically Japanese culture. Cause like the, yeah, at the very yeah. beginning they're um, at this book event for this samurai the self-help samurai book. Self-help. And Dan and his friend are like making fun of the Japanese people there. And then they do it again later on when they're like having their like couples dinner together. They're like, just like imitating them in a very offensive way yeah it is not good in that regard yeah and also it's interesting because it is this very specific stereotype of a crazy angry woman that is tied to whiteness to white women right yeah like we know the stereotypes for black women they're just born angry right angry black women is that stereotype Mm, right and even little girls who are are black in school are hard with that brush right sure and i think too we have like if you're asian american or of asian descent you're sad right you have that whole trope and if you're hispanic you're hot but if you're white you're crazy like you know you're literally insane um and i think that depiction is one that really sticks in people's heads i mean they they refer still to glenn close's sort of mad expression and the boiling bunny and I don't think you can separate it from her whiteness, you know? And there's different, like, variations on that as, as, like, you know, cinema has gone on where I think that evolves into, like, the manic pixie dream girl trope that we see and things like that. But, yeah, it is – it's, like, upper-class white woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) equals crazy, I guess. 
Well, I mean, I th- and 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 the like professional white woman mm-hmm. uh, right. is like it's like peak demonization here, right. and there's so many variants of that theme in the '80s of like mean that that trickles like even into now. Uh, but of like you know a woman who is you know wearing a, a any manner of shoulder pad is an evil person and is going to ruin your life. Right. Yeah. So like the demonization of women in the workplace, which unfortunately because the world white women were sort of the first women welcomed into the higher echelons of the workplace. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there anything else that anyone wants to say about the the film? Well, I have a question for you. Oh, please. Do you think it would be any different if the original ending were run now, if they, if if this See, film were re-released? Right. As far as I can tell, like, the way honestly. the yeah the way the alternate ending was described to me, I don't like that ending any better because I don't <laughs> like this movie. I don't think like I. Right. I think it is an effective thriller. There are moments when I'm like, ee, I'm scared. Ah. But like, because of the way the movie handles and or mishandles so many things and perpetuates all these negative, you know, tropes and stereotypes about, you know, kind of specific types of women and, and stuff like that and demonizes, you know, female sexuality. And because uh, there's a moment where uh, Alex says something like, I won't allow you to treat me like some slut you can bang a couple times and then throw in the garbage. So on one hand, like, her anger is like justified because she's like, you know, you knew what you were doing and then you're going to dump me because you're going back to your wife and, and but all this stuff. But the movie stuff. like equ- equivocates like that rational statement with, with her being exact. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it just, it like goes towards taking things in the right direction mm-hmm. a couple times, but then immediately like backtracks on them. So to answer your question, I don't think it would have been that differently because that ending is her committing suicide and then like framing him from beyond the grave. And that's just as unhinged as everything else that happens. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think it's a better I think like story wise, it's an ending that makes more sense with the very like deeply troubled story that's been set up. Right. So strictly for story it makes more sense but i i think that like especially where we already view her make a suicide attempt in front of him that she follows through on it at the end i don't like I'm, i don't know where that's besides mirroring madam butterfly i don't know what that does i don't know it how, just how do you feel about it soraya well the thing that occurred to me with the the ending that was eliminated actually was it's funny to me that you said Ben Close had commented on mental illness because had she done that, I think you would have been more likely to leave with the feeling that she had a mental illness because, you know, you don't get rebuffed and then try and kill yourself and then right. kill yourself. That's not the way that works. Right. Um, right. And and so it actually would have veered away from the she's just a crazy woman narrative and the use of crazy in that very negative sense to wow you know, something was really wrong with this person. She needed help, which is a totally different thing. Nobody wanted to help Glenn Close, you know? Right. Yeah. I guess that would end up eliciting a, like, sympathy. And... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think so, but it, I do think it was, it was different because you'd end up with a different feeling, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, 
different than that hyper-violent catfighting that we got. But it's all within the parameters, as you say, of the fact that she's an unhinged woman, and that's right. what we're dealing with. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm still trying to process the events of this movie after having rewatched it and I'm and I I can't <laughs> do it. It's yeah. weird easily. Yeah, it's um, I mean it's so ingrained into like people who haven't seen this movie are familiar with this with the basics of what this movie did. Mm-hmm. And and is like I've literally heard, you know, men cite this character as a reason to not trust yeah. a certain type of woman. Oh yeah. 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 Right. That's true. Uh, Glenn Close says, she said in 2008 that men still come up to her and say that her character scared the shit out of them or that, like, her character saved their marriage, which, like... Oh, my God. Uh, like, How? Right. I don't know. Like, I guess killed a lady God. and we <laughs> have really been doing a lot better since. Yeah. Or that they were, like, inspired to either tell or not tell of their wives of their infidelity. I don't know. I can't even imagine what that would look like, but, um, just watch damages. Everyone. <laughs> um, well, we're, we're just about out of time. So let's discuss whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. Uh, cause <laughs> it, it does, does a couple times. Um, so thinly, so thinly, yes. But there is a moment between the daughter, Ellen, and her babysitter who gets named as Christine. And it's played Jane by Krakowski. Jane. Yeah. Uh, they say like, hey, Christine. Hey, Ellen. How you doing? I'm good. Where's your mom? She's in the bathroom. Oh, I got your present. Oh, I like it. Okay, let's go find Great mommy. Great credit for Jane Krakowski. Her <laughs> best role. Yes. So that passes. Um, it passes between Beth and Alex whenever um, Alex comes into their apartment and they're talking about the apartment. They're talking about the cleaning lady. So, like, that's mostly happens. You know, you hear that dialogue kind of like happen off screen, but um, it's there. It passes. Yeah. Uh, and then there is the fun moment where um, Beth picks up the phone and she says, this is Beth Gallagher. If you ever come near my family again, I will kill you. You understand? Yeah. So, uh, but but pass. Alex doesn't respond, so that does not pass. <sighs> so well, there, you, there you have it. It's a feminist tag. <laughs> <laughs> so let's rate it now on our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on its portrayal of women. Um, it demonizes everything about an empowered woman, basically, a woman who's in control of her sexuality, a, a career woman, you know, a woman who wants to have a baby. Like, just everything about it is, she's like, well, well, she's crazy, and she's, you know, trying to trap him. Yeah. So I'm going to give it zero nipples, I think. I'm also going to give it zero for all the reasons oh, you described. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I I can't stand Reagan-era movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> just blanket statement. Anything that came yeah. out during his presidency it tends to be regressive, capitalistic, and, like, just annoying to watch. Um, I mean, I love that. It, it, it makes me so angry. <laughs> just, I think that I just am on Team Glenn Close forever. But it makes me angry the way that Glenn Close, who was 40 when this movie came out, mm-hmm. um, the way she was able to get a leading role 
was to play a character like this. Like there were sure. not that many options oh, yeah. for women, you know, even over 35 uh, playing leading roles at this time because she was out of the ingenue zone. And so what she was relegated to were mother roles or this new opportunity of being someone who's completely unhinged. And this was the way for her to get a leading role. <laughs> you know, that's like what what kind of option is that? Sure. Zero yeah. nips. So zero nipples across That's the board. Right. Zero for me too. Cool. Right. Well, Soraya, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. That was really fun. I'm so sorry that I have to stop right now. Oh, no, oh, that's worry. quite all right. Is there anything you would like to, to plug? Uh, where can people follow you online? Oh, um, so they can follow me on Twitter at S-C-H-E-M-A-L-Y. Uh, whenever I publish anything, I usually share it there or also in Facebook. Great. And also... I am the director of initiative at the Women's Media Center called The Speech Project, which focuses on women's civic and political participation. Oh, very cool. And so it's always easy to find me there, too. Awesome. And read uh, Soraya's book, Rage Becomes Her, The Power of Women's Anger. You can follow us, the Bechtelcast, uh, at Bechtelcast on all of the platforms. You can go to our merch store at bechtelcast.com or tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And we've got t-shirts, pillows, mm-hmm. uh, mugs, all phone cases, all of the goodies you could ever ask for. We've got cool designs like strong female protagonist, yeah. feminist icon, queer icon, non-binary icon, non-binary icon, baby Grinch Ooh. with <laughs> lot of wild stuff in the store yeah so get it now and uh don't forget about our patreon aka matreon mm-hmm. it is five dollars a month and you get two bonus episodes every single month oh, oh no <laughs> i just felt it i guess Sorry. we did talk about a star is born in this episode so I, yeah it, we did it and tracks. i didn't even bring it up i know Soraya i know brought it up. <laughs> so there yeah well, everyone, thank you for listening. <laughs> Love you. Love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal History. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.